Tavis Smiley, this is KBLA Talk 1580. Our phone number, 1-800-920-1580, 1-800-920-1580. Delighted to have you along with us today. We are unapologetically progressive talk radio, and we've got a lot to talk about, especially and particularly in this hour. We are all searching, searching, searching for answers. Uh, California in particular, where this radio station is flagshipped, heard across the nation, of course, but flagshipped in Southern California in the City of Angels. We are stunned out here on the West Coast, stunned and staggered by these uh, deadly back-to-back mass shootings. Eleven people in Southern California's Monterey Park two days ago and seven more victims in Northern California near San Francisco yesterday. What gives? We will talk in this hour with Dr. Georges Benjamin, executive director of the American Public Health Association, about the alarming public health crisis of gun violence and what to do about it. Uh, We are now three weeks into uh, the new year of 2023 and uh, 39 mass shootings now. Let me say that again. Uh, 39 mass shootings in 2023, and today is only January the 24th. So I'm not a math major, wasn't a math major, but if we got 39 mass shootings and we're only 24 days in, we have a significant, uh, significantly greater number of mass shootings than we have days on the calendar in 2023. So this is America. This is America in 2023. So pleased to have Dr. Benjamin back on this program to talk about, again, gun violence as the public health crisis that it truly is. Dr. Benjamin, how are you today, sir? Tavis, thank you for having me. Uh, so I'm, uh, I'm delighted to have you on, although I wish uh, the circumstances were different, but I'm delighted to have you back on uh, and glad we've got the hour to sort of work through this uh, because um, this data uh, for me is sobering. What say you? Look, you said it early. I mean, look, the 24th day of the first month of the year and 39, not 39 deaths, but 39 mass casualties. And that means each one of those means there's four or more people. Um, and we saw the tragedy, you know, within a week within in California. This this is a real problem. Yeah. Um, how, why um, has gun violence become such a public health crisis? Well, you know, our nation is an outlier. Um, um, and, you know, it, it, there are too many guns. Um you know, the problem with firearms, um, it's a tool, like any other tool, but we've done lots of things to make it difficult for us to protect ourselves, and yet we know there are clear policies that work that reduce the incidence and the risk of gun violence. And while we're focused like a laser on these mass um, um, shootings because they get attention, of course, so many people tragically die from them, but... You know, we've had over 2,800 deaths overall uh, this year, uh, and it's just as many, almost just as many injuries from guns. Mm. Let me give some data here. I'm not one that likes to read a bunch of stats, um, but I want to um, share a little data that might put this uh, conversation in Better context. Firearm injuries are now the leading cause of death, the leading cause of death among young people, uh, uh, 24 and younger. 
Uh, so the leading cause of death among people younger than 24 in this country. Uh, from 2015 to 2020, the most recent research, there were at least 20, uh, 2,070, 2,070 unintentional shootings by children under the age of 18. Um, uh, those shootings resulted in 765 deaths and uh, 1,300 plus injuries. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm sharing this because in a moment I'm going to pivot and get to the advanced age of both of these shooters over the last two or three days, 160-something, 172. We'll come back to that in a second here uh, because these older persons are um, are engaging in this sort of gun violence like this out here in the wild, wild west, as it were. These are persons of some age. Uh, but the flip side of that is that it's the leading cause of death, fire, firearm injuries, as I said a moment ago, for people under 24 in this country. And um, accident, unintentional and accidental shootings by children under 18 are on the rise. Let's start with the with the babies first, and we'll work up our we'll work our way up to the uh, more chronologically gifted, shall we say? But what do you make of the of the impact that firearms are having on young people in this country, Doctor Benjamin? It's it's a real challenge, and you know there, there are a couple of reasons for that. Obviously, that means those guns weren't secured. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and we know that children find things. You know, parent, we hide things all the time. We hide Christmas presents. We hide things we don't want them to read. We hide um, valuables around the house. And yet kids are very astute, and they find stuff. So when they find your firearm, that means it wasn't properly secured. And I think, you know, we saw that, um, um, I don't know, it was a YouTube or a video the other day of a kid, a little baby, playing with a firearm. Clearly that, that gun wasn't secured. Um, I don't know all the background story of that six-year-old that shot his teacher. Uh, and they, they said it was secured, but obviously not secured enough. Mm. And so I think that's the challenge we have, is that these firearms are out there. Some, some more data um, that I want to share now before we get deeper in this conversation. So I've, I've given you some, some detail here now about the impact that guns have on young people, indeed babies in this country. Um, a study published late last year uh, found that over the past three decades, uh, a total of more than one million fellow citizens have lost their lives since 1990. Since 1990, more than one million American fellow citizens have lost their lives since 1990. Um, the disparities in these mortality rates where firearms are used won't surprise you at all. The homicide rate among young black men, 142 homicide deaths for every 100,000 black men ages 20 to 24 was nearly 10 times higher than the overall firearm death rate in the U.S. in 2021. Let me say that one more again, put a final point on that stat. The homicide rate among young black men, 142 homicide deaths for every 100,000 black men ages 20 to 24, that stat equates to nearly 10 times higher, a 10 times higher rate than the overall firearm death rate in the U.S. in 2021. Black men are in harm's way. We mentioned on this program yesterday in conversation with Adam Winkler, professor out of UCLA, that there are just about 400 privately owned firearms in this country about 400 million i said 400 400 million to be exact here now uh 
about 400 million privately owned firearms in this country. That equates to 120 guns for every 100 Americans. 120 guns for every 100 Americans is how that works out, given that there are almost 400 privately owned firearms in this country. About 45% of U.S. adults say they live in a household with a gun. So almost half of us live in a household with a gun, but there are 400 million privately owned firearms in this country. When Dr. Benjamin says there are too many guns, Exhibit A. We'll continue when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. Looking for legitimate political discourse? Without the bear spray, tune in and speak out. KBLA Talk 1580. I'm Tavis Smiley. Our guest in this hour is Dr. George Benjamin, Executive Director of the American Public Health Association. Um, one uh, last um, note uh, that I want to share before we uh, dive back into this conversation with Dr. Benjamin. Uh, in case you've just tuned in, I was offering some stats uh, at the top of the show here about where we are regarding the gun crisis. Um, uh, and we see gun uh, gun use as a public health crisis in this country. Dr. Benjamin certainly does, and the American Public Health Association certainly does, and I do. But I was sharing some stats a moment ago, but the thing I was also teeing up, uh, Dr. Benjamin, was that these shooters over the last couple of days uh, have been, um, you know, ad- advanced in age. One is, uh, what, 67, I think? Uh, the one yesterday outside of San Francisco. Uh, the one in Monterey Park the other day, a couple of days ago, was 72. And I don't want to read too much into this or make too much of it, um, but it's happening at both ends of the spectrum. I raise this only because we were talking a moment ago about the way that firearms, uh, again, as a public health crisis, are impacting young people. Uh, but on the other end of the spectrum, you've got people who are 67 years old running around shooting people, 72 years old running around killing people. I mean, young chronologically gifted it doesn't seem to matter dr benjamin yeah and, and that surprised me when i when i heard the age of of that first shooter for sure yeah um that that just surprised me i that's not something we we commonly see um but it just also tells you that um, um it, it's you know it's about a, a broader range of issues and it's about the gun at the end of the day it's about the presence of a firearm you know the older guns, you could take them, you know, a musket, took you forever to load it and you aim it, and you got one shot. Now, all someone has to do is pick up these automatic weapons, uh, and, you know, many, many people are killed. Yeah. And I think that's the big problem here is that the technology has changed so sufficiently that the ability to kill people quickly is terrible. Once you pull that trigger, even if it's a suicide, um, your ability to, to, to save that individual in, in the hospital is, is, is pretty much a deal. Yep. You said a moment ago that uh, the bottom line for you is that in these uh, incidents, um, there's, a presence, there's a presence of a gun. Uh, and at the end of the day, that's the problem, that there was a gun present. If the NRA were here in this conversation, they would say, as you've heard before, Dr. Benjamin, that guns don't kill people. People kill people. But guns kill people more efficiently. Mm. When I was in the emergency department and someone came in with a knife wound, Someone came in, you know, who had swallowed the poison. Uh, someone who, um, you know, hurt themselves in another way, um, even if they were trying to, you know, commit suicide. I had a chance to save them. Uh, someone shoots themselves with a weapon. Um, the likelihood of our being able to save them is, is small. Let me tell you what the, the real shocking thing to me was. Mm-hmm. There used to be a time 
when the leading cause of death for our young folks was automobile crashes. Mm. We were so shocked at that. You know what we did? We made cars safer. We made people safer in their cars. We made the community safer for people in cars in it. You know, we we put in collapsible steering wheels. We reinforced the cars. We put in airbags. We put in programs for people who go to bars so that someone else can take them home so they don't drink and drive. We, we put monitors on the street so that, you know, pedestrians can be safer when cars go through. We put up stoplights. We put in circular drives. We've done everything we can, and we continue to innovate mm-hmm. around reducing the, you know, death and illness and injury from cars. We haven't done that from guns. We have strapped so that the Consumer Product Safety Commission, which, you know, looks at the safety of consumer products, cannot regulate guns. We can regulate teddy bears, uh, but they can't regulate guns. That doesn't make any sense. So we can make, we can make firearms safer. We can make people safer with their firearms, and we can make the environment safer, and that includes reducing the number of firearms we have out there that don't need to be out there, and particularly weapons of war. Mm-hmm. To your point that, that this agency cannot regulate guns, what do you make of the the various public policy uh, proposals and mandates, uh, put a better way, that stand in the way of our progress on this issue? The political will to do something meaningful is just there. They keep running behind the Second Amendment, which is there, and you can respect it, but it doesn't mean that someone can own a bazooka. It doesn't mean that someone can have a weapon of war that can go out and just mow a bunch of people down. There has to be rules. And why don't we want to do criminal background checks on everybody? Why don't we want to make sure that we have a process that if somebody has been shown to be violent, that that firearm using a legal process can come out of that home for a period of time. That's called the red flag laws. Mm-hmm. Why don't we license people? We license people to drive cars. Why don't we license everyone to have a firearm? Mm-hmm. I want to talk more expressly about uh, a public health approach to reducing firearm injury uh, because, again, uh, the AP, uh, APAH, um, the American Public Health Association, um, sees this as a public health crisis, and indeed it is. Um, and uh, Dr. Benjamin is the executive director of the American Public Health Association. So we're going to talk more about, in a moment, uh, a public health approach to reducing firearm injury, given these mass shootings that we're seeing. But there are a couple of things that uh, Dr. Benjamin said earlier in this conversation that I want to go back to before I get too far away from it and give him a chance to sort of unpack for me. Uh, when you said uh, a moment ago or moments ago that America is an outlier when it comes to this particular issue of gun violence, you meant by that exactly what, Dr. Benjamin? We, we have more deaths um, from firearms, more firearm-related injuries than every other industrialized nation on the planet. When you talked about that, those statistics for uh, African-American men, mm-hmm. let, me, let me give your, your listeners a, a visual on that. If you do a chart, one of those old bar charts mm-hmm. um, that we commonly see, and you put the number of deaths for every country, and then you just simply put the number of deaths for African-American men on that chart, it doesn't stay on the chart. In fact, it goes several charts 
along. Mm. So you're doing a PowerPoint presentation, visualize, you put up a chart, it shows you all the deaths in all the countries, and then it shows you the African Americans, it goes off the chart. And then it goes on another chart, and another chart, and another chart, and another chart. So when people are visualizing this, sometimes we can't get a, a grasp of those numbers, but when you visually see the fact that just the deaths for African American men is greater than all the other nations, that should scare you. Speaking of other nations, um, we were talking again about this with uh, Professor Adam Winkler yesterday, um, uh, gun policy expert, uh, brilliant constitutional professor, constitutional law professor at UCLA. He made this point yesterday um, that we are an armed nation, no doubt about that. The data I just laid out underscores that. What Dr. Benjamin just said underscores that. We are an armed nation. But we've chosen to be an armed nation. Uh, speaking of being an outlier, that's our choice. We have decided that we are going to be an armed nation. Well, there are repercussions and consequences that come along with that, it seems to me, when you decide to be an armed nation. I'm not suggesting, uh, uh, lest we scare the NRA, <laughs> that we want to do away with the Second Amendment. But it does raise a critical question that I think needs to be debated in the public square, and we'll talk about it right now in KBLA, uh, which is... Um, if you decide, Dr. Benjamin, that you are going to be an armed nation, if you decide that it's okay to have 400 million firearms privately owned in this country, then you got to be prepared to deal with the repercussions and consequences of that. So, you know, I'm not going to say, as Malcolm said, the chickens are coming home to roost, but it just seems to me that you can't have 400 million of these things in people's hands and somehow not think that these consequences, these repercussions are going to have to be dealt with. No, of course. And, you know, if you're going to be an armed nation, then you need to figure out how you can be an armed nation more safely. Mm -hmm. uh, it's all about risk. And, again, from a public health perspective, if you can simply think about, think about this, for example. Someone picks up a firearm. How do they know it's loaded? Well, there's technology to let you know that that firearm is loaded. There have been many, many people who have shot themselves, shot someone else um, because they thought the firearm was unloaded and turns out it was loaded. You need a load indicator. Um, you know, you need to have barriers. There are, there are all kinds of locks you can put on. They're cheap, by the way. Mm. Put on a firearm so that at least it serves as a barrier so when your kid finds that firearm, theoretically it's locked up, the bullets are separate, it's in a box, but presumably they get to the firearm you now have a lock on that firearm, so that serves as an additional barrier. What do you do about licensing? You know, what about taking those firearms out of the hands of people who we know should not have firearms? I mean, should this, this man who killed all these people at that club, should he have had a firearm? Well, there's a bunch of evidence that shows that he had some challenges. Mm -hmm. You know, and the question is, should someone have identified the fact that he was troubled and gone to his house, and taking those guns and bullets and the silencers he was building out of the house. Yep. I want to come back to this issue of uh, mental health uh, in a moment uh, or later in this conversation. Uh, before I get to news, traffic, and sports in about two and a half minutes here, President Biden, as you well know, urged Congress on Monday, uh, this is before the San Francisco area shooting, so after what happened in Monterey Park, the president makes a statement, and he says on Monday, 
uh, that he wants um, Congress uh, to act quickly. Those are his words to act quickly to pass a pair of bills seeking to ban assault weapons and high capacity magazines. Number one and number two to raise the purchasing age to 21. Of course, that wouldn't stop a 67 year old man or a 72 year old man doing what they did the last couple of days here in California, but raise the purchasing age to 21. It would stop all these young Kyles running around buying guns, killing people. It would stop them. Um, and again, to, uh, to pass a, a ban uh, on assault weapons with uh, and high-capacity magazines. I raise that, Dr. Benjamin, because, you know, every president in my lifetime has found himself giving one of these kind of speeches, and some presidents doing it repeatedly, like Barack Obama and like Joe Biden. As we said earlier, in case you just tuned in, 39 shootings, 39 mass shootings uh, in 24 days, only 24 days in the year so far, 39 mass shootings already. Uh, but every president uh, finds himself making one of these speeches again repeatedly uh, on the on the Biden watch. And yet Congress doesn't act quickly. Um, president Biden is a public elected official. You are a public health official. Um, how do you process the politics on this issue? I think the big problem with the politics is that every time something happens um, and people focus on um, one of many solutions. Um, people say, well, that particular solution wouldn't solve this particular event. Right. Well, they're complex. And so we need a comprehensive solution. Going back to my automobile example, making guns safer, making people safer with their guns, making the community safer for people in guns in it, done in a multidisciplinary, comprehensive way, will dramatically reduce the risk and other nations that have done that are seeing um, saw dramatic reductions in their in their gun violence. Yeah. Uh, when we come forward, I want to come back to this notion of how how embarrassed we should be. I, I was thinking about this last night. How embarrassed we ought to be that the rest of the world is watching us, and here we are, um, supposing to be this beacon of light and hope for the rest of the world. Here we are, uh, the uh, the shining. Uh, heel on a city when it comes to democracy. We're always trying to export democracy around the world. And people have to be looking at us and saying, those those idiot Americans, man, they, they just can't get themselves together. They're killing each other like nobody's business. They don't have to go to war uh, in Russia, Ukraine, China, or any place else. We ain't got to go to war nowhere else. We're at war at home with ourselves. We're killing each other every day. I, I, I wonder sometimes how the rest of the world watches us, how they view us with these mass shootings. It ought to be embarrassing, frankly. It's a shame and a disgrace, but it ought to be, again, embarrassing for all of us. Uh, that and a great deal more to continue in this conversation with Dr. George Benjamin, who's Executive Director of the American Public Health Association, when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. We knew you'd stick around. This is L.A.'s home for progressive talk radio. Welcome back to KBLA Talk 1580. I'm Tavish Smiley. We are in conversation uh, in this hour with Dr. Georges Benjamin, who is the executive director of the American Public Health Association, the APHA, uh, who uh, have been very public and very vocal about the public health crisis that gun violence is in this nation, even as we speak, given all these mass shootings that have taken place um, already this year. In case you've just tuned in, we've said it once or twice, bears repeating, uh, 39 mass shootings so far already in this year. Uh, just 24 days into the year, 39 mass shootings. Do the math. We're averaging more than one of these a day. 
Speaking of which, um, I've been following the last couple days, Dr. Benjamin, this conversation that's getting to be a bit more dynamic online. Dynamic uh, is one word for it, troubling, another word for it, uh, as far as I'm concerned. And that is this conversation now that's uh, uh, you know, ginning up about how we define a mass shooting. Uh, and I want to connect that to the issue I raised before news, traffic, and sports about how embarrassed, how humiliated we ought to be as Americans that no nation in the world is dealing with mass shootings in the way that we are. Uh, we ought to be, again, embarrassed and humiliated by that as I see it. But again, I want to connect that to this conversation that's starting to brew online and in other spaces about how we define a mass shooting. I hope that we aren't going to get to a point where we decide to change the definition of a mass shooting because we, again, are too embarrassed, too humiliated uh, by the way the rest of the world sees us rather than doing something about mass shootings, no matter how one defines it. There's a lot there. Take it any way you want to take it. No, I absolutely. I, look, it's a diversion discussion. You know, when you when you don't have a solution, you put something into the the frame of discussion that um, gets you to argue about something that doesn't mean anything. Uh, whether it's four people or five people, you know, pick a number, live with it. Um, those statistics are important, so you can define it and track them over time. Um, Sixty-nine people have died from those thirty-nine mass shootings, defined as generally as four or more people. And that's the problem. The problem is that people are being killed from a disease, injury, from a weapon, a tool that in many cases is preventable. And so I think that's, that's where we ought to have the discussion. We ought to focus on things that, make, make, um, that work, that make a difference, and not get diverted by these side conversations uh, that people put in there purposely to divert the conversation. Mm. Um, to that issue of, uh, again, you're, you're a major public health uh, official, and I'm sure you have traveled the world and certainly been involved in conversations with colleagues in other parts of the world uh, about the issues that matter to APHA, the American Public Health Association, including um, this public health crisis uh, of gun violence. Uh, what's your sense of the way that others view us around the world, um, given these 39 mass shootings we've had in just 24 days in this country? Well, my colleagues around the world, and I do talk to them often, uh, they're perplexed. They don't quite understand wh wh how we could tolerate this. Um, the human aspects of this, just the, the carnage, is absolutely unacceptable, and, and they don't understand it at all. Let me tell you the other piece here. Mm -hmm. You know, this is about money. Mm. You know, every year, over $557 billion is spent from gun violence. You know, more than a half trillion dollars. Our Congress is going to be sitting around the next few days fighting over the debt limit, talking about how we fund things, trying to cut things that don't need to be cut. Well, I, can, I got somewhere to save some money. $557 billion, we can, we, can, we can save that money by putting in reasonable, common-sense laws and policies to reduce the carnage from gun violence. And at the same time, we can... We can save people's lives. It makes sense. But, again, the political will just doesn't yet seem to be there. Mm -hmm. um, I'm looking at some more data. And, again, I don't normally do this, but I'm trying to just um, um, give people some, some perspective on this. So it appears 
that um, the year where we've had the most mass shootings on record, if I'm reading this correctly, is 2017. Uh, a paper published in 2019 reflected on 2017. And in 2017, there were 346 incidents, 346 mass shootings in the year 2017. Uh, I'm not a math major. Somebody do it right quick. Um, if you got you got uh, the number of days in this year um, and uh, you had 346 uh, in terms of incidents in 2017, at 39 incidents, 24 days in, somebody do the math, call me. Somebody call us 1-800-920-1580. I'm not a math major. Tell me where, tell me where we're headed the rest of this year. So we had 346 in 2017. Oh, I, I, I can tell you at that rate, I don't, you know, give, if give they come in, at, that, at that rate, we're going to exceed the number of days in the year um, from mass shootings. That's, that's, that's where you're going. And, we should easily eclipse that number at the rate we're going right now. Listen, this is only 24 days in January. Exactly. We've already got 39 mass shootings. Just multiply that times 12. Mm, yeah, it's uh, that's where we're headed, ladies and gentlemen. As I said, I'm not I'm not a math guy, <laughs> but uh, it 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 ain't difficult math. I'm just not good at it. But you can see it uh, again. Multiply that times 12, and again, and we're not out of January yet. So that, you know, thankfully, that's hopefully, right. hopefully that 39 doesn't go up. Uh, but if it goes up between now and into January, you multiply that times twelve. It does give you some idea. If we stay on pace, uh, we're gonna we're gonna blow past three hundred and forty six incidents in twenty seventeen. Yeah. Uh huh. Hey, so Miles, thank you. Miles tells me at this rate, uh, we're gonna hit about four sixty eight this year, uh, which would far uh, you know surpass three forty six uh, in twenty seventeen. So that's almost five hundred. Um, you know, uh, incidents. Uh, and again, as Dr. Benjamin said earlier, we're talking about incidents, not deaths, incidents. Uh, because to be a mass shooting, it's got to be four or five people killed. So you, you multiply, so do that right quick, Miles. Multiply 468 times, just go four. 468 times four is what? Good Lord, 1872. Um, mm -hmm. That's 1872. So if, you, if, we, if we're going to hit, if we're on... You know, track to do 468 yeah i'm sorry that and remember that's the mass killings exactly all right that, that's mass killings and that's not the that's not the 42 plus thousand people that die every year and over a hundred thousand people that are injured by firearms every year yeah um and th that number continues to grow yep and that's why um the american public health association of which dr benjamin is executive director says this is not just sobering data but this is the making of a major uh, public health crisis, gun violence. But again, those numbers are just uh, good Lord. Those numbers are. Um, if that didn't get your attention, I don't. I don't know what does. Uh, when we come forward, um, I want to turn our attention um, beyond the problem uh, to um, a public health approach to reducing firearm injury. Uh, Dr. Benjamin has mentioned a number of things uh, already in this conversation that ought to be done. But when we come forward, I'll ask him to just. Uh, uh, we're going to go through that list once again. Uh, I'm sure he didn't exhaust everything on his list, but I want to just give him the microphone when we come forward uh, and let's let, let him literally just run the list of the things that can be done, the things that ought to be done uh, from his perspective and those of his colleagues in the American Public Health Association who see this as nothing less than a public health crisis. This being, of course, the gun violence, the mass shootings that we're hearing about every other day, it seems. 
uh, in this country. Dr. Georges Benjamin on KBLA Talk 1580. Conversations that matter. matter. You're listening to Tavis Smiley on KBLA Talk 1580. Continuing our conversation with Dr. Georges Benjamin, this is exasperating. I was just sighing to myself. It's exasperating. I'm not going to lie, having these conversations over and over and over again as these mass shootings continue to happen in this country. Uh, and yet I, uh, I say to myself, if I'm exasperated by talking about it, imagine those families who have to live with it, deal with it. Um, so I should uh, just husband my comments in that regard, I suspect, uh, because for those who've lost loved ones over the last couple of days with these mass shootings here in California, for those, uh, sadly, who are going to lose loved ones throughout the rest of this year, if we don't arrest uh, this development, um, I, I am, I'm sensitive to that, but it is exasperating, having said all that, to have to have this conversation over and over and over again. And again, here in California, where this radio station is flagshipped, we're sort of uh, staggered and stunned uh, by what's happened here in the last few days in uh, what we refer to lovingly as the golden state. Um, but I, I digress on that point for the moment. Uh, Dr. George Benjamin is executive director of the American Public Health Association, the APHA. We've had him on this hour talking about gun violence as a major public health crisis in this nation. And now I'm going to stand down and shut up and pass the mic to him and let him just run through a list of things that the APHA uh, uh, says uh, that we ought to consider doing to arrest uh, this development. Dr. Benjamin, it's all yours, sir. Well, well, thank you very much. And let's start with uh, issues around trying to make communities safer. Obviously, criminal background checks makes a big deal. Um, and there are flaws. Nothing's perfect, but it does work. Um, criminal background checks catch people who ought not have firearms. Um, the second thing we ought to clearly do is make sure that we close all the loopholes in criminal background checks. So you can go to a licensed dealer, and they may refuse to sell you a gun, but then you go to someone else, um, uh, a gun um, show, for example, where they don't have a, a licensed dealer and you can buy the, all the firearms that you want, um, making sure that people cannot have what we call straw man purchases so that this is the concept of one gun a month or two guns a month, limiting the number of firearms that a person can buy at one period of time. Um, you can get waivers around that, but the idea is to try to limit the number of firearms for people who are just buying them and then selling them on the secondary market. Dealing with bad apple gun dealers. Mm. So, Chicago, I grew up in Chicago. Chicago gets blamed all the time. They, yep. You know, you, uh, right? Well, they, you can't buy a gun in Chicago. Okay, God, Chicago has strict laws, but they know pretty much where the bad apple gun dealers are that don't live in Chicago that are selling the firearms. That, that's a big deal. Making sure that police officers can, can do a better job of tracking firearms. Dealing with these ghost guns, you know, these guns that are made by um, 3D printers, um, trying to address that. As you know, the Biden administration has tried to take on the issue of ghost guns, but the technology continues to move right ahead. I talked about making people safer with their firearms. So obviously um, requiring people to have training. You know, when I was in high school, I had to go through driver's ed in order to be able to operate an automobile. Shouldn't you be trained before you have to use a firearm? When I was in the military, I had to be trained on how to use that firearm. Uh, in fact, they wouldn't just let me carry that firearm around. They had all kinds of rules to prevent me from um, carrying that firearm around inappropriately. Licensing. We know that licensing coupled with background checks 
catches people who ought not have a firearm. Having red flag laws or extreme risk protection orders, that means an individual who's been in a domestic violence situation or who has shown um, concerns by generally a family member or a friend can go to a court and then they'll do an investigation and appropriately take the weapons out of that home for a defined period of time for someone who clearly is not either in a mental state uh, or an emotional state to have a firearm. It will reduce suicides as well as, you know, homicides. Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of neat tools that people have. You know, I, I talked about safety locks. I talked about, you know, locking up your, ho your gun at your home uh, in, a, in a, an appropriate safe or a box, um, separating the, the bullets from the firearm. But, you know, there's also this whole issue of, you know, there, there's technology to tell you if the firearm is loaded. Um, there are technologies so that when you pull the clip out of a firearm, it won't fire. You know, a lot of people pull the clip out. We see it on TV. You pull the clip out. There's, we think the firearm is, is um, um, discon, you know, it's not able to be fired, but it's still mm -hmm. around in the chamber. Mm -hmm. um, making sure that, again, that firearm will not be fired. The the old James Bond gun. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody has seen the old fancy James Bond gun. Look, theoretically, you can't fight, you can't get to your phone if you lock it. Now, I know there's ways to get around it, but again, it's a barrier, so that someone can't use that weapon against you. Yeah. Um, if they pick it up, so all those things can be done. Uh, and from a public health perspective, if you do them in a comprehensive way, yeah. you reduce the risk of people killing one another or killing themselves with a firearm. I hear your point, uh, and that the key the key phrase, the key word is comprehensive. I digress on that point. Our remaining moments with Dr. Georges Benjamin when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. Interrogating your assumptions and expanding your inventory of ideas. Let's get back to Tavis Smiley on KBLA Talk 1580. Got just three and a half minutes left uh, with Dr. Georges Benjamin in this conversation. He is the executive director of the American Public Health Association, the APHA. I want to close on this note. Um, you mentioned mental health earlier in this conversation. I'm concerned that those who are uh, suffering with mental health issues who have access to firearms, who get caught up in this notion of being a copycat, which we know this stuff is real, um, will add to this number of 39 mass shootings we've already uh, witnessed in 24 days into this year. Um, what does the APHA say about mental health and firearms? Yeah, we want to point out that people who have mental illness are no more dangerous than um, in concept than anyone else. However, if you have a mental illness um, or you're depressed um, or you have a family member that's depressed, they're much more likely to do some things, maybe harm themselves. Yeah. Uh, and so that we need to pay attention to that. And we do have people that copycat. You know, we don't know all the motives for these people that are doing um, this, like this second mass shooter. Uh, but we do know that there's something called suicide by cop, where people take a firearm, go out and do something to hurt someone else with the idea of also, you know, killing, you know, getting themselves killed. So, there, this is a complicated issue, and we do have to address the mental health of the community. By the way, I am concerned today about the broad mental health of the community that has experienced this. I'm concerned about the psychological and psychiatric trauma yeah. to the broader community, our children who are having to see this on TV and hearing about this each and every day. 
we need to be concerned about their mental health as well. No. Dr. Benjamin, uh, one day we'll have a conversation about something that is a little less uh, sobering, a little less depressing, uh, a little less um, uh, devastating uh, than these mass shootings we've uh, experienced the last couple of days here. But I thank you for your insight. I thank you for your work and your witness. Dr. Georges Benjamin is the executive director of the American Public Health Association, the APHA. Uh, Good to talk to you and uh, all the best to you, my friend. As always, thank you very much, and thanks for what you're doing. Thank you, sir. Good to have you on. A quick programming note before we uh, get out of here. Uh, I mentioned earlier in today's program, in case you missed it, that on Thursday, this Thursday, in our 11 o'clock hour, the final hour of our program, uh, Chief Michael Moore, uh, LAPD chief, um, looking for, searching for, asking for, hoping for a second five-year term, will be our guest live in studio. So uh, make sure you check out our live stream on the app or YouTube channel this Thursday, 11 a.m., uh, LAPD Chief Michael Moore will be in the studio this Thursday and next Wednesday at 9 a.m. L.A. County Sheriff Robert Luna will be in that same chair uh, at uh, Wednesday next week, 9 a.m. So the police chief this Thursday, the sheriff next Thursday, uh, two more exclusive conversations coming to you courtesy of KBLA Talk 1580. Neither has sat uh, for a one hour conversation uh, on a talk radio station, but they're coming to us. The Chief, uh, Michael Moore, on Thursday. Sheriff Robert Luna next Wednesday. There you have it. Uh, thanks for tuning in today. Uh, time now to make room for the KBLA Midday Money Chain. Up next, the Millionaire's Roundtable with Lynn Richardson to be followed by Ahead of the Crypto Curve with Naja Roberts. Old money, new money, either way, we got you covered here on KBLA Talk 1580. Until tomorrow morning, first of all, be safe. Uh, and uh, thanks for tuning in. And as always, keep the faith. <laughs>